supreme need of our time is for men to learn to live together in peace and harmony. I have directed the continued and increased close surveillance of Cuba and its military buildup. This is a strong nation. This is a compassionate nation. This is a decent nation. And this is a nation that will not let terrorists change our way of life. And with eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, we carried forth that great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. Welcome to the American Perspective. I am Joshua Newmark, and thank you to everyone who's joining me today from across the globe. A lot has gone on this week. We're going to start off with the uh, one of the you know news feeds right now. Uh, Twitter was just announcing that the federal courts in California actually did block Trump's new asylum changes, which is interesting after one court uh, did uphold it. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Two big stories to talk about today. Uh, the first thing, we're going to talk about the podcast that did get released, uh, which is about one of the congressional candidates in Minnesota, uh, Danielle Stella. And some new information has come out. If you want to listen to the podcast that was recorded last month, that's available through CastBox or any of the other platforms. Uh, she's running against Ilhan Omar, hotly contested seat. Uh, a lot of us do not want her to continue staying in office. But when you have a, can, a candidate that comes in, you expect that they're going to rise to the occasion. Um, they're going to do what's expected of them. They're not going to get into trouble, lie, cheat, steal. And a lot has come out, uh, you know, with this candidate. And hopefully uh, Jody, who's with us today, if she wants to join and talk about it, she can do that. And there, the new podcast released today um, getting into some of the arrest reports with her. Uh, her name is actually not Danielle Stella, that it's uh, Danielle Sheridan. And, you know, there's just so much coming out. And Jody's uh, on Twitter, and I'll post, actually, it's actually already in the podcast description, the uh, Twitter link for her. She has all these documentations. And, uh, she joined me with Kimber Shear, who's with the United Coalition Against Cyber Abuse and Scams. Um, you know, Jody left the campaign on her own, you know, her own choices uh, because there's there started to be these clues going on, and you know, it turns out that there's uh, looks like three arrest records now, uh, you know, for theft. One of them was in Target. Uh, and a missing laptop from one of the other campaign staffers that hasn't been returned. So there's just, there's so much scandal going on in this, in this campaign. Luckily there's a guy who's picking up incredible speed, Lacey Johnson. Uh, he's doing really well. He's going to be uh, running against Jody or uh, running against Daniela and, you know, for Ilhan Omar and then to remove her. So, should be interesting. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll hear more about all that. Uh, Kirk's going to be joining in because we're going to be talking about some of the water uh, issues going on and green energy 
uh, in conservation that even as Republicans doesn't, you know, independents, Democrats, green is great. However, you have to really look into the description of that green energy. You know, if, if that, that substance that you're using like water, if it's coming from the ground, it's not sustainable. It comes from ground uh, from the rainwater and it takes a hundred years for that water to reach back into the underground water sources. So there's a lot that I'm going to discuss, especially here in Arizona, because uh, I think that what's going to be happening here is going to be echoing across the country. So, uh, yeah. So, um, Jody, if you want to go ahead and just call right in, we'll go ahead and talk about what happened today and you can explain what's been going on. Hey, Jody, good to hear from you again. I know it's been such a long time. I hope this works. I'm on an iPad, so I apologize. I should have yep. it on my phone, but I didn't. No, you're doing fine. <laughs> so, yes. So, what would, does anybody want to know anything? I mean, I'm here to answer any questions. There's a lot of them, I know. Yeah, well, why don't you just tell everybody who you are, what you did, you know, what's going on. Um, they can listen to the podcast for all the in-depth Yes, you know, very things true. that we were talking about, but uh, yeah, go ahead and just introduce yourself. Tell everybody who you are, what you've been doing, and what you know. Hi, I'm Jody Larson, and I'm Feisty Woman One Two Three Four. I'm also fibromyalgia WA three. Um, fibromyalgia is my main count. I use the Feisty one because I pretty much thought Twitter would ban me at some point, <laughs> but they haven't yet. So um, the big thing with Danielle Stella. And why I'm so concerned about people continuing to support her is not so much the arrest records. It's the fact that she fraudulently filed under a false name to hide the arrest records. I know mm. I've had some people ask me, okay, well, you know, she hasn't been convicted yet. So, you know, we really don't know if this is going to go on or, you know, that's fine. But as far as the state of Minnesota and it being a federal case, you cannot file under a false name unless the community knows you as that name. And I have not found anything with Daniel Stella on it. And I have, you know, I did the Ben Verified report. Um, I did, uh, her linked account is Daniel Sheridan. So obviously her work knows her as Daniel Sheridan and all her modeling photos from, um, I believe the site is Model Mayhem. Um, she's always been Daniel Sheridan. So that's my main concern. Yeah, and it's that main concern that actually led you into even more concerns. Yes, most definitely, because there were some red flags that were starting to come up over the Washington, uh, D.C. rally trip that we took um, July 5th through the 7th. Um, I saw her behavior. I saw her, I mean, I'd catch her in lies. Um, and so it just started boiling over. And then when she couldn't even get up to go meet a really important representative for the Republican Party that Sunday morning, um, and I went by myself, I was like, this is not a candidate that I want to be a part of. And then Monday morning, or Monday about 1 o'clock, I guess, in the afternoon, I got the email from the Republican committee member um, who talked about the arrest, which is actually a felony because it's over $1,000. Wow. And, um, you know, we were talking about some other things earlier. Um, what, what was it that happened in DC? Cause I, I know a lot of people don't, don't really know what's going on. 
Well, the big thing with DC, you know, we got invited by David Summerall, who's with StopHate.com. Great organization. And him and I, he, he was actually going to have his guy do our website. But unfortunately, he got busy, but we needed it done. And that's how Randall Blakesley came into the picture. But David invited us. Um, we went. The itinerary was not set out um, with where we were staying, um, how we were getting to the rally, any of that. Well, Danielle had a breakdown the night before we were actually supposed to fly out. And she didn't even know if she wanted to go. And I said, I'll go with you to D.C. And it'll be fine. We'll figure it out as we go. I can't force them to give me the itinerary when they're so busy setting this rally up. So we ended up going, and then she had a meltdown because she got a phone call by one of the workers with the organization, and I felt like I had another child with me. I had my 11-year-old son with me <laughs> who actually was more mature than she was, and I could not believe it. I was like, what is going on? And so, you know, we made it to the rally. Everything was fine, and then the VIP party. Um, I ended up paying for everything. Um, they didn't have our hotel set up, so I ended up paying everything. Well, I spent a lot of money, and I didn't have the money to buy a dress to go to the VIP, and I told her I cannot go to this VIP without a dress. And so she ended up going by herself. But the thing that really bothered me was she's talked about in a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews about her attempted murder that almost happened to her in 2008, and she says that she has PTSD, she has anxiety, she sees a therapist, this is all news that she's told everybody. And I'm a victim of sexual assault. So when she went off on her own to the VIP party, she went with some friends there and then decided before that she was gonna meet them up at some bar, she came back to the hotel by herself and then she left again by herself. And then the next morning she has this hickey on her neck and I'm questioning her what happened to her. And she said that this guy um, started, you know, came up behind her and started suck. She thought he was biting her. And it was this big story. And I looked at her and I was like, you are a liar. I mean, you're, you're distraught over a phone call about a, a hotel room, but you can go off on your own after an assault and you don't press charges. No. Right then and there, I knew I was done with her campaign, and I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, and you know, for for a conservative in America, at least, that is highly unregular to to have that kind of of uh, candidate performing or you know acting that way in public. Wouldn't you well, agree? Yes, but you know, the big thing is she's all about attention, and that's the only reason why she's running. And right now, she's getting a lot of attention because a lot of people only know her as the person that's running against Ilan Omar, which mm -hmm. isn't true. I created, I created the monster because I worked many, many, many hours, like up to 16 a day at minimum for, for almost three months without any pay. And I got, I did all her social media. I followed and replied to people on social media for her. Um, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens now that it's not as organized, I don't think, as it was when I was there because I worked so much. But my, my whole goal is to get the truth out there, um, expose her, and hold her accountable because she is taking money, donations for a campaign that is fraudulently uh, filed. Wow. Luckily, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 
that there is another candidate that they can choose from, which is Lacey Johnson. And I know that you, you know, we talked earlier and you're throwing your support behind him. Um, what, what do you know about him? Lacey Johnson is a, um, he's a politician. I'll say a seasoned politician. He has, uh, ran in other districts before. Um, I talked, uh, extensively with Anton Lazaro, who is his campaign manager, um, who I, he sent, I'm sorry, the Republican committee member asked if he could give my information to Anton. And I said, yes, absolutely. So him and I talked and believe me, I asked a lot of questions before I was going to support anybody else because I got duped once. I wasn't going to get duped again. And Lacey Johnson is um, a very, very big Trump supporter. He is a true Republican, um, not just the moderate. He is a true Republican. He's a 2A supporter, pro-life. Um, so that is something that I can get behind. He's also backed by PAC, which okay. they're going to start him off really well, which everybody knows it's going to take a lot to beat Elon Omar. I mean, she's already got 600,000 and, and had 800,000 at once. So it's a big hill and I think he can do it. Yeah. You know, it's going to be great to see because somebody needs to get rid of Elon Omar. She needs to go and we need to have somebody in there that's going to do the job and support the president that's there. Yes. Um, and that's just something that even I'm starting to question, uh, you know, with, with Danielle, she's she's avoiding questions, which makes me wonder, is she going to get into office and then avoid the conflict and confrontations of politics? Absolutely. She is, she is not a person that handles stress at all. And yeah. coming from someone that, you know, starting a business, raising, raising young kids and working full time all at once is a lot of stress. And so I've, I'm used to that. But so it's hard for me to see somebody who's 31 years old breaking down over a phone call. Mm. It's it's very strange. And I don't know how she thinks that she can handle that pressure, but in all honesty, she's she's not running for the right reasons. She likes the attention. That's yeah. it. I mean, she joined the Proud Boys. That's for attention. Well, with the change in direction that you've that you've had, you know, you're no longer with the campaign, you're picking up with interest in other things like Lacey Johnson, what are some things that you're wanting to do, um, you know, with the future now that you've learned what you've learned? I'm actually in contact with two colleges to get my uh, bachelor's in political science. I want to continue with this. I love politics. I didn't realize how much I do like politics, which I'm, it's kind of surprising even to me, but um, I have a couple states that they're they're looking to run after the 2020 elections, and they've asked if I'd be interested in helping them. And I think it would be great to have that political science um, a bachelor degree um, under my belt, and then and be able to work with them. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, and I, we talked earlier today, uh, and again, anybody that wants to listen to the full episode, it, it went live today, mm-hmm. um, so everybody can listen to your full story. Um, but I, I also asked Jody to join in the American perspective going forward, you know, with new content and, uh, you know, new show, a new show direction. And I, hopefully I think that'll be something that both of us are going to benefit from. Absolutely. I'm very excited to do that. Like I said, I didn't realize how much I love the politics. I think I like it because it's new and it's fresh and it's always changing. And that excites me. And I love doing research, obviously, because I've done a lot on her. So I'm excited. 
Well, I think it's great. I think you made the right decision. And <laughs> the new direction that you're going to go, I think, is going to open a lot of doors. And the American perspective is definitely going to you know, benefit from you being a part of this. And I think everybody that list, that's listening is going to agree with that, too. So Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining. Um, it's been great. Uh, what we'll do is uh, start the second segment. And Kirk's going to join to talk about some green initiatives uh you know some of the things that are going on and he's joining us right now hey kirk welcome back hey man thank you so much wow what an interesting conversation really kudos to to your uh previous guest she's she's fantastic good for her yeah uh, you know i met jody uh because i reached out to the campaign i wanted to interview danielle stella um right. and and since then i've been able to keep in touch with her and through her, another person, she's going to be joining us next week. Um, she has the uh, United Coalition Against Cyber Abuse and Scams, and they actively are on Twitter and other social media platforms looking for pedophiles and criminals, all kinds of different content, and then they forward all of that information over to the FBI. So it's going to be a fascinating story. Wow. Yeah, definitely one not to miss for sure. So what we're going to talk about now, and I'll kind of give you a little bit of the background and, you know, see what your thoughts are on this. So uh, for those of the, those that are listening, you're, you know, probably from around the world, Arizona is, is considered a desert climate. However, we have, I think, seven climate zones in the state. We go from sub-Saharan desert sand dunes. We go all the way up to almost 13,000 feet in elevation and mountains. Uh, and we go from, you know, nothing lives all the way to massive pine and ponderosa trees, beautiful climates. The thing about Arizona is that while it is beautiful in its climate zones, we have a drought. You know, we go through a drought every year. Uh, we're currently in a 36-year drought that we're 12 years into. Um, it just means that we don't get the rainfall that we typically could see year-round. However, when it does rain, it rains cats and dogs, as it is today. Uh, so the state was never meant to handle the population that we're now approaching tw uh, 12 million people. And you have to get water somewhere. So most of southern Arizona, which is where all the massive cities are, um, they all funnel off of the Colorado River. The, the Colorado River runs through the Grand Canyon, into Lake Mead, which is where the Hoover Dam is. The Hoover Dam, of course, generates power uh, and controls water down the lower, the, the lower river. Uh, and then that ends up into Phoenix and Tucson and, and so on. So now that we've got more and more people, we're looking for new sources of energy, new sources of water. Uh, and so there's a company that is coming into play, which is also owned by Tucson Power, um, they got a federal grant, or not a federal grant, but a federal permit to come in and do survey work um, and look at the area. They're trying to put in a hydroelectric power station in the middle of a high desert. Now, a high desert is an elevation between 4,000 and 5,000 feet um, where little really grows other than scrub brush and prairie grass, but you have antelope and elk and you know things like that in the wildlife. So they're trying to put this in, and the city that I live in, which has about 40,000 people, and then there's some 
smaller towns and cities around it that have 20 to, to 30, 40,000 people. All of our water comes from the ground. It's a huge aquifer that, that runs the span of the county. They're trying to tap into this in order to produce the water for two reservoirs in order to pump cycle through the hydroelectric station. So the initial estimates of this is 9 billion gallons of groundwater just to fill the two retention ponds. And then in um, there's an annual replenishment due to evaporation, which would equate to 1,200 acres, 1,200 acre feet of water. Um, so again, you're still looking at hundreds of thousands of gallons of water just to replenish every year. They claim that the water, of course, would be replenished through the monsoons, which is incorrect because it takes 100 years for the water to actually reach the aquifer again. Now, one of the things that has also come out of this is now the Hoover Dam is looking at turning their hydroelectric station into what's called pump storage. So the water runs through the turbines from Lake Mead, normally would go into the Colorado River. Now they're looking at building a secondary dam to build a pond that would pump the water back into Lake Mead and then re, you know, recycle that water. The problem with that is it drastically reduces the amount of water which flows through the Colorado River. So you have the estuaries and marshes and other things down the river basin area. And then, of course, the water that goes into Arizona. And because of all this, Arizona, California, and Nevada have had to enter a tri-state agreement as to what water usage is going to be allowed. And Arizona had to take a 20% hit. So all of these things are kind of coming out. Um, and people really don't think about the water that you use, even though it comes out of the ground, has to, you know, has to be replenished. Um, and Kirk, what, what kind of things are you into or you know about, you know, with green energy and conservation and water, things like that? So the thing about this is that it's, um, it's going to transcend disciplines, right? So on the one hand, you do have the environmental impacts of the project you're talking about. Um, but on the other hand, the world in general is running out of energy and you need to diversify that matrix somehow, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there is a big, you know, bad aftertaste with nuclear. People are very much against that, you know, survey after survey. Then there's like a certain cataclysm, you know, like what happened in Fukushima. I think it was in 2011, if I remember correctly. So you have that. But um, you, then you have the the human use aspect, right? Which actually, at least for the the places I know of, right? For example, Canada, that's not actually where most of the use of the water goes into. It's actually in the industrial processes and agriculture. Mm -hmm. So again, people don't really think about that, but you know that cheeseburger that you're eating, right? The amount of water to produce one uh, one pound of of beef of of meat, right? That's about 125 liters of water. So you're looking at some like, you know, 40, 40 to 50 gallons of water per, uh, per uh, pound of meat. And wow. yeah, then in the cheese, right? Then the lettuce, then the tomatoes, then uh, in the buns. And, and I'm sorry, guys, I don't actually know the, the number for that. But the beef is the big one. But producing all that in the supply chain, right? From the moment that the seed is planted in the ground, 
to the moment that that uh, produce gets to your plate, there's vast amounts of water consumed there. And, you know, we could debate as to whether climate change is man-made or not. And, and, you know, that's like a whole thing. But the fact is that the weather is changing. Mm-hmm. You know, patterns, NASA is tracking this. The European Space Agency is tracking this. You know, satellites in orbit are devoted just to looking at that. And so, um, actually, the Swedes are actually looking at, they're doing a big study right now about the water stress on the planet. And again, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with like the weather patterns and stuff, but uh, today in Paris, Paris, France, and I know you were there, uh, it was 43 degrees, Ooh. right? Which is not, it's not normal, right? I mean, no. <laughs> it's once every time, well, it's just not normal, right? So again, there's, so to, to not ramble on on this. Um, and actually, yes? just to clarify too, when you say 43 degrees, that's Celsius for those that are listening. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you guys, so the imperial system, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pushing, that's pushing a hundred. Fahrenheit, yeah, I, I think. think that's like one, one twelve, one fifteen, something like that. No, 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 uh-uh. no, no. Yeah, no, it would be less. I think it's probably high nineties. Oh, high nineties. Okay. Yeah, because which still is not normal. You no, know, for, no, by any means. No. Since we're talking about that too, um, you know, depending on where you're getting the scientific information, you know, whether history right. only right. goes back. 110 years roughly for North America. Um, The thing is there, but there's the tree cuts, right? So the way they looked at is, is uh, they cut down the trees and, and that's mostly in California, the big giant sequoias. Mm -hmm. So trees can live for thousands of years, right? And I don't actually know of, uh, so the oldest living organism on the planet is a, is a tree, I think. And it's actually in California, those giant red sequoias, right? Well, what they did was like some of them that have been cut down, you know, to see what, what's going on with the weather and stuff. What they look at is the pattern in the rings. And that's how they've known or they have pretty good indication that, you know, the weather has changed. But the weather is right. always changing, right? right? The issue is, be- well, I don't want to get into the political aspect, but the weather is changing. That's the point. Now, from an econ- economic standpoint, right, with everything you mentioned on that river, um, so there's something called... Uh, the tragedy of the commons, right? Mm-hmm. Where if there's something, there's a commodity and nobody owns the commodity, anybody can get access to it and then uh, pretty much the resource runs out because nobody's really taking care of it and everybody just dips into it and and, uh, and just grabs as much as they can, right? Because there's right. the insatiability principle. What's going to end up happening, I think, is that they're going to have to come up with like a type of quota system, you know, because like you said, Cities weren't really designed to handle the amount of people, right? The concentration of people. That's not, I don't think cities were really thought about back in the 1920s when, like, for example, New York was created. Who could have thought that now 8 million people would live there? And by no means is New York, like, special, right? Um, You've got Mexico City, which Mm -hmm. has, uh, I think, something like 35 million people. Tokyo has 36 for sure. And when I mean that is like the city and then all the surrounding townships and stuff. Um, metropolitan Paulo, areas. Yeah, mm-hmm. the metropolitan areas. Sao Paulo, Brazil has uh, 25 million people, I believe. So what do humans need, right? We need food, we need energy, and we need water. So to generate that, to concentrate that, no doubt has an environmental impact. No doubt. And 
and the struggle right now is is how do you you generate energy with with having the minimal impact right and while i i mean you know it it makes me laugh a little bit but um you know you guys have a a freshman congresswoman that proposed uh and uh she called it the green new deal i mean certain aspects of it you know uh certainly a goal to shoot for but the way to uh, I think she went about it was uh, was a little misguided, and, yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> yeah, you guys know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah, and and the thing is not to get bogged down in who proposed what. the The thing is really, you know, because this isn't really. Uh, it doesn't matter where in the spe- political spectrum you are. This is a real issue, and I know for a fact that there's actually research scientists and physicists at the uh, Berkeley and Stanford that are looking at this. Right? How do you generate more energy? And it really comes down to the bottom line is that you have to diversify the matrix somehow and nuclear energy has to play a role. There's just no way to go about this without that, right? And the sad thing is, like you see, for example, after Fukushima, a few years later, Germany shut down its reactors, right? Because people protested it, they didn't want it, and, and not without reason, right? But if you look at the impacts that um, even if you add up all the tragedies, you know, Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, you add Fukushima, it is nowhere near close the impact that uh, burning fossil fuels has. And to give you guys an idea, um, you know, Canada exports uranium, right? In fact, the province I'm in has uranium city up north. Um, India, the prime minister of India, he had just won Modi and he came here. And he had conversations with Trudeau specifically about that because in India, at least it was in 2015 when I last looked at that, uh, there was a coal plant opened in India every 11 days. Quite literally, a Mm. coal plant opened every 11 days. And still to this day, like the record for the biggest blackout on the planet is India. At one point, it, it had 600 million people without electricity. Oh yeah, because th- their consumption rate is astronomical. It is yeah, and, and their matrix is is antiquated to say the least. And we saw that in the U.S. too, uh, Puerto Rico when it got hit by uh, Maria, right? Hurricane Maria. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're still repairing that matrix, right? Yep. And you need to. There, there, it isn't. I don't think. I well, because you know this thing got bogged down in politics, but. You have to update your energy matrix, right? It's not a question of you know going green or anything. It's just the logical next step in in uh, modernizing the way you generate energy. Yeah, no. and and it doesn't it doesn't stop there. I mean, we have to get to a point where even our appliances, including air conditioning, you yeah. know, it's it's 2019. Yeah, we ha- the 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 less of an appliance draws energy, the right. better it is. And for you, for your bottom line too, right? Because, yeah, the way things were designed back in the 80s and 90s, which is what a lot of people are still using, right, draws, like, unnecessary amounts of energy. And mm-hmm. that reflects on your, your electrical bill, right? But um, here's the thing. So it, I saw this in a TED Talk, so I guess we got to take it with a grain of salt. But it was a researcher from the UK, and he was doing he was doing simple arithmetic, right? where people are saying, well, we can generate enough energy with just solar panels and and wind, and, uh, well, that's not the case, right? And that was just for the island of of England, right? It's not possible to do that. Now, imagine, like, an economy like the U.S. 
where energy drives everything from hospitals to bus stations to train stations. Well, in the buildings today in um, Washington, D.C., right? Um, yeah, so uh, not to get like lost in the weeds here, but generating electricity is, is a big problem. It is a big challenge. Um, I'm not sure that anybody's figured out how to reconcile that with the environmental impact. Uh, in your guys' case in Arizona with the water, right? Um, I think they're going to have to move somewhere to the anti-commons, right? Where you have people get uh, some sort of, unfortunately, right? Some sort of quota. Yeah, that's really that's what people be careful how you use water. And yeah. I mean, and we see it, right? Because California had to put so many. What did they put in their reservoir? Some like millions of black balls, so the water wouldn't evaporate. Yeah, but a lot of that's for uh, for algae too. But so Arizona's already doing this. So that was part of the the tri-state alliance that they right. just went into. Um, right. So the initial thing was that they we agree we're going to use twenty percent less water. If right. that doesn't work and we still have a water problem, then they phase in three steps. So the first step is going to be everybody's swimming pools, or no, sorry, it's all any any gardening. So if you have Anything that's not considered desert landscaping, it has to go. The second phase is swimming pools. Right. The third phase is agriculture. And if we yeah. still can't figure it out, then they're going to tell the Native Americans that they can't farm. And that's not going to go over well. No, and, and that's the thing, right? Like issues like this rarely have to do. So it spans disciplines, right? So you're going to touch upon like social aspects. You might open up wounds that maybe never really healed. You're going to talk about energy. You're going to talk about people's businesses and livelihoods, mm -hmm. right? Because you're going to touch upon that eventually, inevitably, yeah. if things don't get better, right? Yeah. And that's the thing, that it's it's really complex. Um, there's, I don't think, again, I don't think any country has really figured this out, but countries are very much looking at this. So, uh, um, for example, if you guys know that Champagne in France, the area that they produce mm -hmm. Champagne, They've got a something called a geographical indicator, right? Which means that only they can produce uh, the wine under the title Champagne. Right. And the thing yeah. is, that area um, by the environment, if you measure it by the environment, the area has shifted north, right? And that, those are now big disputes as well, where the quality of the wine is just isn't there anymore. And it's like a whole big issue for them as well. Yeah, and I was just reading about their the the oaking that they were using what's called new oak because they've had right. to change how they barrel and it right. was changing everything. Right. So you you do I mean you have to adapt, but I'll just I'll tell you what what's what's going on right now. So because of all this, um, I you know I've been involved and in, I've started a petition trying to get this hydroelectric station to to be banned. Um, right. I. APS, Arizona Project Service, came out today. They're the nuclear power plant here. Um, right. They're going to install solar panels on my roof at no cost to me, and I get wow. a $30 a month discount. So I said, okay. you know what? I'll, I can do that. I, I will give you the power to make a little th you know, make things a little bit greener. Right. I get a discount on my electric bill, right. and then it's good for 20 years. And then all of my lights in the house went to LED, so there's no incandescent, no filament. It's all low watt LED, and they're right. actually brighter than what was. Then 
with the water because I'm on a well on this aquifer that they're going to try and pump. So I'll be the first one to lose water because my well is at 300 feet, which is, wow. You know, that's pretty deep. hundred meters deep. So that's how you get your water. Yeah. So it comes that far out of the ground. Awesome water. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's a massive aquifer, but in order to cut down on the amount of water, I've installed low flow, uh, shower heads, faucet heads, um, right. and then hydro or, uh, energy efficient and water efficient appliances. Right. And then, you know, then I was learning about like when you wash dishes and people talk about, Oh, I wash dishes. I fill the sink, yada, yada, yada. So I went into some detail on that and actually found out that my dishwasher uses less water than it does to fill up your sink to wash dishes. Yeah. Those things are designed to be as efficient as possible. Right. You know, so I, you know, I started doing these things and, and I have, I have Republican friends, I have Democrat friends, and you know, and everybody's talking about going green. But nobody really understands what it is to go green because everything has some kind of an impact. And like Joseph was uh, in chat and he he asked about solar, and I said, right. well, you know what, solar's great, but there's a mining aspect behind it because of the silica that goes into the solar cells. Well, not so, just that, right? Like the the batteries as well. Yeah. So there's and the like, machining and, and the pollution. <laughs> a war going on in the Congo for the for the minerals for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you know, then um, there was somebody here. She's on. She's part of a, the Green Party, but she's a liberal. Um, sure. And she was protesting putting in uh, wind, you know, wind turbines. Right. And right. here we grow wind. I mean, we grow it really well. It's windy eight months out of the year easily. Right. right. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, okay, put them up. And everyone started saying, oh, well, they're hideous. I'm like, it doesn't matter because that's it's energy. And then this lady who's in the Green Party goes, we can't have wind turbines. They kill 130 birds a year. And I'm yeah, like... I mean- <laughs> Again, like, okay, so there is absolutely no activity where there's complete winners and just complete losers, right? That's not right. how the world works. And there's nothing, I mean, absolutely nothing we're going to 100% agree on. But more or less, we have the same ideas, right? That, you know, we need to update energy production. And that has an environmental impact and so on and so forth. So I was kind of like the last part of my my chiming in, right, was the um, situation is complicated. But there are, you know, avenues that are actively being explored. But I am for sure certain that nuclear energy has to play a role. There is just no way to do this, right? And let's keep in mind that energy production is at the basis of an economy, right? Mm-hmm. Big countries like China, you know, India, which are now coming up. But those guys are giant energy guzzlers and, you know, they're paying the price with pollution, right? So you have to look for alternatives, and in your guys' case with the water, um, yeah, they're going to have to implement water markets, you know. But it's 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 a little complicated because in the U.S., as far as I understand it, just across the, I guess, state border with, with California, mm-hmm. you've got a real problem with uh, water rights, right? Farmers' water rights. Yes. And that is a big issue as well. So, again, you touch on people's livelihoods and, and people yeah. don't like that, right? Well, here's the thing. See, this is, this is why I love talking on these formats because this is the chance that we get to talk about things that you're not going to hear. So, those farmers' water rights, right. for the most part, it's complete BS. What it is and what we're having a problem with right now is it's a lot of people coming out of the Middle East 
and they're buying up the land because it has water rights and they're pumping. So that was kind of my next thing. So when I remember when I said that just producing food um, Mm -hmm. is, is, is requires water, right? Agriculture is the big consumer of water. So which is the food we consume? Well, that's actually the problem, right? What you're doing is exporting water. So that's how they're starting to measure commodities. How much water does it does it take to produce this stuff? I mean, it's almost out of sci-fi, right? But unfortunately, that's you have to take into account those costs, right? Well, you know, and when you were bringing it up with the food and everything, those are things that I didn't I wasn't aware of. You know, right. and then when you're looking at something on the scale of McDonald's, you know, how much are they processing and what's actually being wasted? Well, well, okay, but here, here's the thing. Please, guys, nobody understand that I'm speaking ill against anybody or any organization. I'm just telling you guys what I understand from, from like basic research, right? And so I something that irks me to no end is that whenever somebody uncovers, you know, something like this, immediately they want to assign blame for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And rather than do that, I take a more positive approach in that I just see or kind of like a diagnose, right? And then the brainstorming begins to to you know propose our alternatives. And yeah, I don't I don't understand why the world now is, you know, kind of like that MTV mentality where if I identify something, there has to be a bad guy and I'm gonna be the good guy, right? No, I mean this is we're all in the same boat and it's gonna affect us all. Right. So we need to come up with uh, alternatives and, and propose these ideas. Right. But ideas that are actually grounded on reality. And and how are you going to get people on your side if, you know, you're calling them names or mm-hmm. completely disregarding their opinions? Right. So in the Mickey D example, <laughs> nothing against Mickey D's, man. I, you know, I enjoy a burger from time to time. But but certainly it's just realizing the impact. That's yeah, all it is. Realizing the impact. That's all it is. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's why I brought it up. Um, yeah, and yeah. the the argument that I've I've been having now for two years because I've started the petition for this hydroelectric station, and now we've got the issue with the Hoover Dam. Um, right. I'm trying to engage a conversation because when you have people like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez who come in and say, "Oh, Green New Deal, it's going to cost us eight trillion dollars just to get started," my argument is stop forcing people to change and start educating. Because when we start to understand what's happening, we can take that into our own control. And then you end up getting hundreds of millions of people making a change versus maybe 10 million. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know who I really admire in U.S. politics? And he's, he's on low on the totem pole, right? But it's, do, do you guys ever, did you guys ever watch wrestling, pro wrestling? Do you guys remember Kane, Glenn, Glenn Jacobs? He became a mayor in a small town in Tennessee. Well, it's not a small town, but it's like the third biggest city in in Tennessee. And he's very, very like articulate and very respectful. So in his victory speech, which he won by a landslide, right? And given the current uh, climate of politics, not just in the U.S., but everywhere, he could have just as easily gloated, right? And, you know, been like in your face, you know, something like that. But Mm -hmm. if you guys have the chance, look up that speech. He was so respectful. He was like, yeah, I uh, I want to give props to the Democrat that ran against me. Good for her. And I'm hoping we can work together, right? But I don't see that, I have to admit, both on both sides, I must say, 
I don't see much of that, you know, no. in the House of Representatives and Congress. And, and that gets you nowhere, right? Being rude and disrespectful gets you absolutely nowhere and completely disregarding people's opinions. And the lady you just mentioned, I, I see that in her a lot. <laughs> and, you know, oh, so, yeah. and, and her Green Deal might have been something good had she framed it differently. But unfortunately, that's how she chose to go about it. And on dubious grounds, I might say, because it's not clear what exactly she's basing it on. And, and well, I, I may ask you something. Did she actually say that everything's going to end in 12 years? Yes. Yes. She yes, literally she, said that because I don't actually follow her or anything. She, yeah, she's, she's brilliant. She's one of the most brilliant minds in modern history. Uh, and uh, she, um, no, I think that she, she believes these things. Right. But see, she believes in socialism. She's a socialist or, you know, communism, basically. Sure. Sure. And they tell you what to do and we're going to do this. See, that's been the problem with Europe. Europe went and did, 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 and did, and nothing's worked. And now everything's falling apart. So it's like, why do you expect the United States to go and do and follow the mistakes everybody else has done and then watch us miserably fail? Right. But, her whole thing, because she was talking about, and, and I did a podcast earlier in my career, if you want to call it that. Um, we, you know, we talked about that because we were, we were talking about numbers and she was talking about how farting cows, her words, cause right. the greenhouse gases and everything else. And it's like, are you mental? First of all, that's a natural cycle. Let's just say you want to take out the, I think it's um, 19 million head of cattle across the United States, you, right. you slaughter them, right? So now you, you have a mass extinction that you're going to be responsible for. And then you have to replace that with another food source. Well, that food source is going to fart. So you're just taking one and replacing it with another, which does nothing. So same thing with energy. You take one away, you still need one. You've got to replace it with something else. No, but ever increasing, right? Because, you know, I, not to be negative here, but so people that own Tesla cars, right? Tesla, you recharge it ele electrically, right? And that's how it runs. Well, the thing is, how did that electricity get generated? Do people think that somehow he's figured out, you know, a, like, a, you know, like an alternative energy source? He hasn't, right? Like I'm talking about Musk. Mm -hmm. um, what they do is that they still burn fossil fuels to generate the electricity that goes into that car, right? So if you actually follow the chain, the production chain, you haven't really done much other than, you know, uh, I guess, exported your problem. Because where is, that, where is the electricity generated for mm -hmm. those cars? So maybe in California it is uh, hydroelectric or whatever. But if you look at the entire world, most countries are still burning fossil fuel at an ever-increasing rate. Yeah. So and we are here. Done anything? I, which I found out, Arizona has a, a northern Arizona out here by me has a coal powered station. I didn't know that until I was going through all this hydroelectric stuff, and I'm thinking, right. wow, it's up near the Grand Canyon, and it's like pumping all that steam into the air. You know? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. So, yeah. um, like Ireland is solely coal. So they've got four and a half, five million people. Right. Um, in, but in its sole, sole coal power. Right. Um, you know, England is mostly coal. I think they have a small nuclear facility. Um, 
But, you know, it's like uh, you talk about that and a lot of countries are looking at the United States for all these green problems. And it's like, uh, we're the least of your concerns. You know, you need to be looking at yourselves when all you're doing is burning fossil fuels and, you know, China, which is the biggest polluter at this point. So, you know, it's everything kind of goes together. It's green, it's electric, it's water. You know, there there just has to be more talks about how to make things as efficient as possible. Well, you know, again, the thing is, it's going to change if we're if we're going to seriously tackle this. It's going to change how people live, and I mean, at the most basic level, like it would even help to not even set up Christmas lights, right? Some houses look like they could land a plane with all the yeah. lights they have Christmas time, and unfortunately, if you're serious about the environment, things like that which aren't really necessary, to be quite honest, or maybe you don't leave it on all night, right? right? Maybe you set it up for like an hour or so, right? Just when the family's out. Things like that, practical things that, you know, when everybody's doing it in the aggregate, it really has an, an impact. So, yeah, yeah you those, know, those are the kind of things that we're going to have to look at. Seriously. I've got, um, I have neighbors. Now, I, I live, I'm rural, but I'm like, I'm five minutes from my town, 30 right. minutes from the, you know, the next city. Um, so we have what's called dark sky program. Um, and so we all agree that we won't use our porch lights, spotlights, things like that, unless they're necessary. Cause that way you get to see the stars. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. And there's people that leave their porch lights on 24 hours a day. Um, there's yeah. people that have their Christmas decorations up and the lights are on 24 hours a day through Christmas. And then they you, they don't think, like, even though it may not be a large wattage, that's still over 12 million people, that adds up to an energy use. Right. Um, and that creates a light pollution. You know, that's why, like, if you ever, I don't know if you have the same thing, but, like, here, because I'm at about 5,000 feet, when I go to Phoenix in the evening, you drop down and you get to a point where you get to, it's called Sunset Point, and you can actually see the whole metropolitan area of like 8 million people. Um, and so when you get close to it, the sky actually looks like it's on fire. It's so bright yeah. and orange from all the lights. Right. Um, you know, it's pollution. It's a light pollution. So yeah, no, absolutely. You know, everything and goes hand in hand. The question is, uh, is it necessary? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, should, you know, lights on the highway be on 24 hours a day? Should there be a time when maybe they're not on, you know, things like that. Should you have a system where the lights only activate when a car is passing by, you know, things like that, little yeah. things like that would go a long way in the aggregate. Right. And I, I just to like, give somebody else a chance and, and like, uh, I'll hop off here. Um, that, yes, the situation is a little complex, but I think that definitely there are the technologies and it's going to require people, you know, really searching deep down and, and asking themselves, is what I am doing necessary with the electricity I'm, I'm spending, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, our lives have changed for sure since I was a kid, you know, uh, growing up in the 90s. You know, now people, you know, are on their devices 24-7. We've got Netflix now and people don't right. want to give that up, right? So it's it's definitely going to, you're going to have to ask yourself some some serious questions, right? Do I really need to do this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure we're having that debate, though, to be quite no. honest. 
And then we get, you know, and pardon my French, but we get some crazy lady, right, that, you know, proposes a thing that I don't, I really don't understand. Did she think that this was going to bode well, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, but that's I guess. The, that's the delusion of that yeah. party, you know, but it's people telling you what to do instead of, hey, let's talk about this and come up with something rational. Right. Like something, you know, that's actually achievable. And And the thing is, like, Unfortunately, when you do things the way she did it, you kind of close down the debate because then people don't really want to talk about it anymore, right? They're like, well, that's just so-and-so's de- uh, crazy delusions. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I can see their point too, right? So, yeah, yeah, definitely we're going to have to come up with some some answers for sure. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining me on this topic. It's been great, and I hope that, you know, everybody's learned you know something new I, I know I have. There's things that I didn't wasn't even aware of. So, sure, you know, it's been great. And uh, you know, anytime you want to come on and talk, you know, please do. It's always oh, open man, to anybody. I'm a subscriber now, man. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I'll be I'll be in and out for sure. All right. Well, I'll let you go. And uh, Lakaya is calling in, so I'll I'll have her awesome. come in. Thank you so Thanks. much. I'll be on the line. Bye bye. Hi, is it Lakaya? Yeah. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing pretty good. I've had a full day of politics to talk about, but uh, other than that, what's on your mind? That's good. I just wanted to call in the um, touch bases and see how you guys were doing. Yeah, just uh, uh, you know, full day of political talk, and I'm just hoping that these monsoon storms don't knock out the power in the middle of it, so <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> Oh, okay, be safe now. I just want to um, touch bases with you guys and see if you guys are uh, going to be live tomorrow because I'll be going live again tomorrow. No, uh, just every Wednesday at 5 Pacific. Okay. But if That's you're going to cool. go on, you know, you know, everybody can check out your show so they can be on the lookout for you. Okay, I just wanted to check in and say hello and... Well, yeah, well, I appreciate it. Uh, I'll be back next Wednesday. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining. Uh, one of the questions I did put out was if anybody had any topic suggestions. Uh, Jody did ask, what has AOC or Omar accomplished? I think that's pretty much a loaded question. I'm con- I wonder who all is listening. We should have a good mix of people. If you want to call in and talk about what you think that they have or haven't accomplished, hit that button and call right in. Uh, Christina McDowell, welcome, welcome. If you've got the app, hit the call button, join me. We'll do some Q&A for a little while. What did you guys think of the topics today? We discussed two different things. Well, hello, Christina. How are you? Well, hello, Josh. And where are you joining us from tonight? Uh, Connecticut, actually. Ah. How's the weather? Uh, gorgeous, actually. Much nicer <laughs> out here than uh, Phoenix. So. Yes, and uh, even here, it's extremely humid. I feel like I am no longer in Arizona. <laughs> but uh, so, what do you think about AOC and Omar? Have they accomplished anything? Uh, well, their track record says no. But uh, I think Omar is in a hurt of trouble heard about her allegations, correct? 
Uh, well, I've heard about her. There supposedly there is concrete proof that she did marry her brother, and committed the immigration fraud. And then there was the two counts now of the campaign finance issue. But it, was there anything else? No, I think you pretty much covered it. I mean, it's weird that she would marry her brother, but if you can think about it that it's for immigration fraud. Yeah. I mean, that's not okay. But. Yeah, I mean. I'd, you know, if somebody wants to marry somebody to get them in here for a green card, go right ahead. I mean, you're the American, you can do whatever you want. But when you are fraudulently, um, you know, like if you have to marry your brother in order to get in, and then everything becomes illegal because now technically she's not an American citizen, so she's not even eligible for a congressional seat. Nope. You know, I'm kind of curious, what do you think is going to happen out of it? Yes. Do you think that she'll lose her seat? Do you think she'll go to jail? What do you think? Well, the best case scenario would be that she would go to jail for what she did. Um, and I think that it'll probably be tossed under the, under the rug. I heard that you had her, someone running against her under Bonnie just recently, right? Yes. Um, two different podcasts. I had Danielle Stella on, and then recently, and she's with us right now in chat, that uh, she was the former campaign director, um, and then she was talking about all the issues with Danielle Stella. Luckily, there is um, Lacey Johnson. He's he's running, so uh, he's actually looking like a better candidate than the rest of them. Well, if the IRS prosecuted politicians like they did, you know, normal human beings like you and I, um, she would be going to jail, which I hope she does. Um, it's not a matter of race or a matter of sex or, you know, a matter of who she is. It's just the law. And Americans, we are very, you know, law-abiding citizens. And it's not anything that we probably should let under the rug, you know, sweep under the rug. But, you know, who knows? Who absolutely yeah. knows? Um, but it would be really, really nice to see an investigation. I heard that she actually... There was an ethics uh, investigation that was written in yesterday, I think, by the... You know, and I apologize. I'm, it's starting to get hard to hear you. I don't know if there's a... Oh, maybe that's there a little go. bit better. All right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I think she's in a world of hurt. I think she's got some questions she needs to answer, especially the American people and the constituents in her district. Um because it's it's it is immigration fraud and it's something that the you know the American people are it's a hot topic right now. <laughs> so yeah, just slightly. Let's hope so. And as far as AOC is concerned, um I don't know. I mean she's kind of fun to watch though, isn't she? Uh Yes, like a flaming car crash. Absolutely. Yeah, so I was going to say like a dumpster on fire. <laughs> um, she is absolutely my fantastic. She's my favorite person to watch right now on Twitter. So, you know, and, and just to kind of show uh, as to their thought processes, you know, the House today, damn near um, majority vote to not censor or uh, boycott Israel only 17 members of the house voted to boycott Israel. Guess Ooh. who, guess who was among them? Our, our friends. The Jihad uh, squad. Yes. And, um, Andrew Grijalva of Arizona. No, really? Yes. Yeah. I was really surprised. So it just kind of shows that 
the 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 mentality that's out there is that they claim they're not racist yet they are dead set against Israel and make constant anti-Semitic remarks. They refuse to censor Ilhan Omar for her anti-Semitic remarks yet they voted to condone what Trump's supposedly said was racist, which it wasn't. So how do you feel about the way things are going? I mean, we've got AG Barr, which everyone Mm -hmm. calls him the bulldog. You know, he's going to go in and get things done, but yet we're not seeing any, you know, any, any legal action on anything. Do you think we will? Oh, I do. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when Trump came out for his uh, speech after winning the election, a quote that he said that still rings true to my head is, sorry, folks, it's a complicated business. And I think what Barr and what Trump are doing right now is they're setting the Democrats up in snares and they're just tossing the bait out there. And every single time they keep taking that bait. And I think the American people at this point, I mean, 2020 is pretty darn close. And I don't know if you watched the last CNN debate with Democrats, um, but if you want to talk dumpster fire, whoo, I mean, it was a dumpster fire filled with dirty diapers and Indian food. I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. And they got another round of them, I think, tomorrow night that I can't wait to watch with my popcorn. So, Well, here, um, here let me ask you this. Um, one of the listeners, uh, Babies Raising Babies, he said, I think being the youngest person to serve in U.S. Congress is a huge accomplishment, which it is, regardless of how you feel about AOC politics. Now, while I agree with that, and you should be proud you got there, do you think it gets tainted when there's so much of a negative impact or does it matter? Can you still claim that win? Well, I think that, yes, it should be a accomplishment to be the youngest member of Congress, but you should know what you're doing. That's like saying I'm the youngest CEO of a finance company that is, you know, crashing and burning because I'm losing all of the profits. So, I mean, it, I don't think that there's really a, correlation there. I mean, great, you got into office, but were you even qualified in the first place to be in office? And, you know, people will say, well, Trump was just a businessman. Well, he kind of wasn't. I mean, if you look back at his past and trust me, like I was a Rand Paul guy. I really wanted Rand Paul to win. And he was my uh, pony pick in the primaries. Um, and I love, I, you know, I've been listening to Rand Paul for a decade and his father for that. And that's why I'm a registered libertarian. But if you go back and look at Trump's track record and the things he actually has done in New York City and how he rebuilt that city and his business sense, you know, yeah, there's a lot of presidential, you know, being a president that has to do with being a businessman. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got to do trade deals. It's a massive thing. Um, AOC, I mean, you know, we can joke about her being a bartender, but what other job did she have? Like, what else did she do? Was she an intern? Um, did she run a city office position? Um, I haven't heard anything that she actually did anything worthwhile. That'd be like putting me into office. You know, I, I don't know anything about politics, really. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily think you have to know anything about politics to be a politician. I think that's been the problem. Is that too many people are career politicians and like uh, babies raising babies said <clears throat> how many people in Congress, even at 80 really know what they're doing, which is true. This is true. Uh, you know, yeah. we can be fair and balanced and know that there's problems on both sides, but I think it would be different if AOC came to the table 
and was able to turn around the the slums of New York or the poverty stricken and yeah, you, you know, know huge advancements. Community. Like, right. hey, look, I had this great community plan. I got a bunch of kids reading. Fantastic. That means that you have community involvement and you actually care. Right. Um, but you know, slinging drinks at a bar and there's been some photos that have been coming up of her, you know, you don't believe every, everything on the internet, but what have you done? You know, actions speak mm-hmm. louder than words. Yeah. And yeah, so Kirk Kirk mentions that she does have a um a bachelor is it a bachelor's I think a BAC? Um oh yeah, BS. Is it a BS in economics or are you talking about a bullshit in economics? Just curious, Kirk. Um the uh Well, then I'd have to ask what school. You know, cuz that's one thing that I'm starting to learn too. We're seeing a lot of um and it's unfortunate, but there's more and more coming out about the Yales and the Harvards, you know, some of these Ivy League schools where, you know, these affluent parents will just send their kids and buy them in. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, okay, you want to say you had a BS in, in uh, or a BA, what a BS, yeah, Bachelor of Science in Economics. What was your GPA? You know, what did you do? You know, what did what were your curricular activities? Did you just get drunk every weekend? You know, what did you actually do? What have you contributed to society for us to give you the power, especially in the House, you know, to be making policies and doing these things that the, these people are doing in the House and in Congress? You know, you know and Matt here's Gates one of the really good example. Matt Gates is a his parents are career politicians, but Matt Gates, you know, he had a DUI in his past. Since that point, he has done everything he possibly could to get past that because we all make mistakes. You know, we're not perfect. We're all flawed. Right. Um, And you saw him at the Mueller hearings today. He was an absolute bulldog, completely unwavered. So it kind of depends on, you know, what have you done in your past? And I just can't see AOC making it to her (laughs) sophomore term. I'm sorry. So I have to answer to... uh one of baby's other tech series, it says that being the youngest to get elected without knowing what you're doing almost sounds even more impressive. Now I, I would have to say that, you know, honestly, I think that that's sad because it means that the American voters don't even know what they're doing because it's up to us to be responsible enough to vote someone into office that you can trust. Um, and that, you know, is not going to, is going to do the right job. If you can go, we you know when I post this or even the, uh, podcast that I did today with Jody, she's US Minnesota conservative. Um, We're talking about even a conservative that is failing and that there's issues, uh, legalities, things like that. So, you know, just because you get in doesn't mean you earned it doesn't mean that you actually know what you're doing. It just I think means that the American people are we're failing each other because we're not paying attention to what's going on. Jody also said, look at Omar Navarro. He makes a living of losing. Um, you know, that's an interesting subject in itself. What about American voters? Are we learning anything? Or do you think that we're just being lazy? Christina? It looks like Livecast is failing yet again. Christina, if you do, I'll just have you call back in. It's been doing that today. Uh, But Kirk, I agree with you. How many politicians actually get their stuff done, legislation and infrastructure initiatives? Not enough. Um, 
we all know that there's too many issues going on. The problem is we keep reelecting the same people and we're just repeating those mistakes. Does anybody else want to call in and talk about some of the, the topics that we're discussing? If you do, just hit that button, call right in. Don't forget to subscribe if you are at least enjoying the show. Uh, and to Kirk, uh, Kim Kardashian is not allowed to run for president. I think that that's just horrific. Don't even joke. All right, well, we'll go ahead and end the show here. I'll be back with some Q&A here in just a bit, so look for the next live show. It should just take a few minutes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to go to the website, www.americanperspectiveshow.com, for everything up to the minute, Twitter feeds, podcasts, interactions, and you can always uh, you know, ask to be on a show. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes for the Q&A. This has been a previously recorded live episode on CastBox. Join us today on CastBox via the web or app and get notifications of further live shows. Check us out at www.americanperspectiveshow.com and we hope to hear from you on the live show.